He's recording. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Anime House. Today, we're going to do an episode that I've been wanting to do for some time. Francisco finally got around to it, or got around to watching it. We're going to be doing Ranking of Kings, uh, or uh, I'm sure you've, or Osama Ranking. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. It was really, really popular during the winter and spring seasons, um, and or winter, fall and winter seasons. Uh, really good anime, really, really good. I watched it weekly personally. I loved it. Uh, great show. So I'm really excited to talk about this one. It's 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 only good, you know. I I was like, oh, people were talking about, oh, this is a good show, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch it when it finishes. And then when did it finish? Let me see. Aired. <laughs> okay, it finished on March 25th, right? Mm-hmm. It's May 5th, so I took two months. Yes, I took my sweet time. But um, without a doubt, I think this is definitely one of my top 20 animes, and I'm like. And I love a lot about it, right? It's highly fantasy. Um, I think, let me see. Is the genre, do they, like, superimpose it onto the shonen category? Because, like, honestly, no, it doesn't. The genre is just adventure and fantasy, which I think is fitting, right? I was scared that people might be referring to this as a shonen, right? But it just it's just not that, bro. It's just... The style is so different. And it's not your atypical shonen either. No, it's definitely more fitting. Because, like, it has the yasap or whatever, like, those fables kind of, like, elements going into it. And, like, it's really reflective of, like, the author. And, you know, I looked into it because I, I originally I thought it was, like, an, a wit studio, which is the studio that, you know, animated it. Original, it was not. <laughs> it's a, The source is a web manga, so it was actually, there's a manga involved with, with this, right? And, honestly, this is one of those st- stories where the, the story of the manga is really, like, impressive, right? Because they had a debut at 41. They went from an office job to just saying, all right, I'm going to just become a manga con now. At the age of forty-one, that's like it's like that's like your future, Nikio. It's like you at forty-one. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see about that one, Chief. No, you just just watch. You just wake up one day and you're like, "All right, time to write a story." It's just like all my thoughts. Kind of the dream. That's kind of the goal, honestly. I mean, why not? You know, he made it. He, you know, actually, there's a couple of interviews out there, and like, I think, um, you know, in addition, and I'll probably touch up on the interviews later on as they become more relevant for a couple of topics that we discuss. But the one I want to like mention is like, do your parents know? And he responded with, my parents are way too conservative and old. They would be just worried that I'm making a living out of drawing. Like <laughs> they would like repeatedly say, are you okay? <laughs> do you need to move back in or stuff like that? And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to worry them. So I don't even, so they don't even know. And honestly, I respect that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell my parents <laughs> if I, that I'm a manga in this situation. Yeah. I mean, would you? Yeah. No. No, just like, yeah, don't worry about it, Ma or Pa, like, you know, money's fine. Yeah, I don't know about yeah, that I'm, I'm still, I'm still an office worker, <laughs> living the life. Yeah, literally. But yeah, this is a 23-episode series, and it covers the first season, right, the first, you know, quote-unquote season of the manga. Um, There's only a couple chapters leading after the what we have adapted from Wood Studio, right? I think it's like, a hun- I don't even, point is, it's like only like a couple of chapters at, for season two, right? And I think this is a good time for you, Nikhil, to give the premise or to give, you know, your initial impressions or whatever might be the case. Initial impressions on the overall show. I mean, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I'm really glad I watched it and I watched it weekly. So it was really enjoyable for me. Uh, definitely a show that's like really easily bingeable. But I ended up watching it weekly because I, I watched it uh, 10 episodes after it aired or started airing. So. I was able to binge it until then and then started watching it weekly. Uh, overall, great show. I have no real overt problems with it. I know 
I was arguing with a friend about he was he was arguing that a lot of the characters were a little shallow in the sense of like they didn't have any depth and like I disagree personally. I think that each character is very well played out and thought out in the sense of like how do they contribute to the overall plot and driving narrative and story, which I very much enjoyed because I feel like in a lot of shows, um, one of the one of the biggest problems, especially for shows like Ranking of Kings, where it's not technically a shonen, but it's not like a like it's not a it's not a like plot driven show per se is like the narrative or the character driven narratives tend to kind of fall to the wayside. And I think in ranking of Kings, they did a really good job of kind of keeping up with that theme. We saw that with the stepmom, right. And how like she was kind of portrayed throughout the entire show. So I love that. And like very, very much enjoyed that. Um, as I keep listing off characters as a, as a, as a word of warning, as usual, uh, spoilers will be talked about. So if you haven't watched the show, please do. If you have, if you have, we'd love to have you. Or if you don't care about spoilers, we also love to have you. So, just putting that out there now. Um, but yeah, I think each character was really well written in the sense of like you saw their growth and their trajectory and like how they changed. And like yeah, sometimes the flashbacks got a little annoying, but like they weren't like in the way, you know. Like they actually provided a lot of insight to each character which was really, really helpful. So, like, one of the cool things I loved about this show is we didn't get constant flashbacks to, like, one character. At least for this show, we got a flashback from every single character, but, like, it wasn't constant flashbacks. It was, like, flashbacks that were per- where they were extremely pertinent to the progression of the storyline, which was, which was amazing. I love that. So, like, because of that, we actually got, like, a lot of depth which, with literally every single character. Like... If I'm being honest, like how many shows really do that, and really do that well, you know what I mean? Yeah, the um the characters and the way that you know the author decides to introduce them is really smart. I think um I mean you touched up a bit about it, right? The a few of the leading kind of like principles behind uh the inspiration for this, I'm sure uh, it's definitely fairy tales, right? Like you have stuff like the Naked King, for example, the evil stepmother trope, right? That's subverted in this case. And then, like, stuff like the magic mirror, I'm sure, like, right? Because there's a magic mirror in this show. And then, like, in many yeah. characters, there's a magic mirror, too. They even do the whole, like, who is the fairest or who is the most mightiest of them all, right? And then and they response. It's uh, it's great because, like, we are vaguely familiar with these fairy tales, right? They're, like, ingrained within, like, not even within pop culture, right? And there's several people out there that just, you know, might have heard about these from, like, either culture or whatever might be the case. And they've somehow ingrained into their story. So we have a vague idea of what these things are, right? And what's great about this series is that, you know, the author gets to decide what kind of elements from the fairy tale they should, you know, maintain and which one they should, like, reinterpret in new ways or, like, subvert, like, for example, the evil stepmother, in which case, right, in this case, initially it was given the impression that, yeah, the evil stepmother, the main protagonist, which is Boji, right, evil, right, they're effectively evil because, like, they end up supporting their son, right, which is the um, half-brother of Boji to become the king after the passing Spoiler, the passing of the kingdom's king, right? Um, if you didn't know, this is a very, like, kind of high fantasy situation, like, um, era of uh, knights and kings, right? With the whole kingdoms and stuff like that. And there's, like, a whole ranking system for the kings, right? We're currently in the kingdom of the rank number seven king, right? King Bose. And we're following the story of his son, Boji, right? And, you know, as I'm talking about the mother, right? And they also, you know, the mother has also a child. But as we later on learn, the mother loves boji man she it's honestly 
uh, Queen Helen is probably one of the like running for like best mothers in all of anime, <laughs> in my opinion. She was a really good character. I mean, like just overall, like how she was portrayed initially, and then kind of like her self realization as the, uh, as the series continues, and how like she adopted Boji as as her own, but then cast him aside, but then realized her mistakes. I mean, all that is really important to the entire plot, like plot, story, narrative, whatever it is. But like her as a character, I think we saw her portrayed as almost human, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, and human in particular in this case, because right, we're comparing this to our user interpretation of fairy tales, right? And most fairy tales, I think, and most fairy tales are definitely devoid of a lot of complexity with the characters, which does have its charm, right? But in this case, like in comparison, healing to you know other stepmothers, there's definitely a layer of love that adds a lot of the um the endearing character and the complexity that goes with just knowing that this is an actual person, right? They make mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes come back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's definitely how I see it. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that we can approach this, right, bro? And I, I have like an entire list when I was writing down my thoughts. There's like a section here where I'm talking about like, oh, do you remember the giant snake? Yeah, I do. I was like binging that for a couple of days, and there was a moment where the giant snake was gonna die, or like you know. Yeah. And it just hit me dead in there. I want none of these characters to die which this might sound obvious right but um i'm gonna say this might sound obvious but usually in some series right there's a distinct emotional like it's like they're driven emotionally and they try to like kill off characters to make make us like feel stuff and it's only a very rare amount of series where i look at something and i'm like they could possibly die but I 100% would rather just have the happy ending where everyone dies because I love every single one of these characters and I feel like every single one of them are so well developed even with the minimum amount of screen time they get right in comparison to other series because this is only a 23 episode long series so I I highly disagree with um, our friend who said that you know these characters are not what what, what was the exact like vibes that um that um Unfortunately, I don't remember the exact wording, but there was criticism of how the characters were shallow and not well thought out. I completely disagree, personally. I, I gotta completely disagree, man. I mean, like, I guess this is a good time to ask, what's your favorite character? Uh, okay, so, I mean, this is atypical. My favorite character was definitely Boji, because, like, mm. he was the most... Okay, so I, for those of you who may or may not know, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it in previous episodes, but... Um, I'm actually very, very passionate about working with disabled individuals, and like it's something I've done throughout my entire life, in some way, shape, or form. In fact, I worked with like, um, like, like, um, elderly disabled individuals and kids who are disabled, uh, with various syndromes and stuff like that, um, for about five years. And uh, the reason I like Boji so much is because he's a character who is disabled, a speech impediment, and B, he's deaf. So there's obvious like drawbacks to like his way of life, but um, he never lets them drag him down, right? He like perseveres through them. I don't know. It's something that kind of like really got to me, because oh, that was something I very much care about. And so I love the fact that they're putting someone who is disabled um, as the main character and showing that like they can, per- even though they have a disability, they can persevere through it. And that that like that kind of stuff always just really gets me like a little emotional. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah. I was really happy to see that. And so he is my favorite character solely because 
of that and like kind of my connection to to that to some degree. So uh, I would have to say Boji, yeah. I do have to mention this. There was a criticism from a friend of mine, right, that mentioned that they felt from the initial, you know, sell of the story, right, that this is like a very underdog kind of story, right? This person has everything not, not working for them. And they mentioned that it felt like they were fishing, right? By they, I mean like the author, whoever made the story, were almost fishing for people to just latch on because they were going to almost effectively feel pity. And, you know, pity is one of, like, a, a theme within the story, right? It's mentioned pretty often that people around Boji feel pity for him, and, you know, and that, like, plays into, you know, just his character. But in this case, right, talking about, like, before even going into the series, his the reason why my friend was averted to the series, and by extension, you know, myself was also a bit averted to, you know, seeing the series initially, was because I also felt that they were baiting, right? But I want to admit, the way that the author approached one, right, Boji is deaf, right? So he can't, he can't communicate traditionally, like, you know, as like me and you're communicating right now, when, you know, I speak and you hear and you like understand that. Boji needs to get around that, you know, and they get around that through very, and this is amazing from the, from the series, right? And the series development by very accurate sign language and just like, you know, amods the entire, like, deaf culture in general like it's they, they respect that highly right and just that's a, and that's like a small aspect but there's also the fact that boji is inherently just like a very weak individual right physically and you know that plays the whole point that they were almost baiting for like sympathy but i love what the author decided to do to use that aspect and actually roll it into the lore of the story and i think you might actually know what i'm talking about right mm -hmm. and i i want to i guess See, now we're, like, getting all over the place, but I want to, like, put it out there that there's a there's an in-universe explanation for, like, Boji's current condition, which is, when I, when, like, it was dropped, it just changed my, I mean, I was already enjoying the series, like, when I was watching it, but when we learned about this, I just had massive respect for the author, because something that many authors fail to do is to find in-universe explanations for some things that people, you know, sometimes people feel that, oh, it just happened because the author needed it to happen, right? This adds a layer that didn't exist there and adds like more interesting, you know, depth, right? Because something to do with Boji's like current situation is that it was almost in a way given or, like, Boji is a giant, right? Both of his parents are giants. So it's very mm -hmm. strange to see someone who was born from two giants just be effectively, I think he's only one feet tall or something like that. Yeah, he's really short. Yeah, he is exceptionally short. And like the defining trait of a giant is that they're, exceptionally tall but they're also really resilient strong and whatnot they other aspects right but the most defining aspect is how strong they are mm -hmm. and like that's also like, you know shared in you know stories like one piece and whatnot but for boji his entire birthright right quote-unquote birthright like the thing that you know really defines who he his parents were and like how what he inherited from there was pretty much like taken away from him because like that strength that should have naturally be be given to him right because you know that's that would have been his lot in life wasn't there and there's an actual in-universe reason for it and when we learn about it we just like recontextualize several relationships within the stories and how like now that we know this information how does that feed back into like how we initially like saw this relationship when it was first introduced in this case it's boji and boji's father which yeah yeah because boji's father effectively robbed boji of like his strength right uh, he made a deal with a devil right it's a very common Chopin fantasy, in particular, like Foss, right? The German legend Foss, who made a deal with like Mephistopheles, right? In this case, Boji's father made a deal with a devil. It's they said in exchange for 
you know, your some of your lifespan, and in exchange for your son's like strength, I can give you something. And this is very common, right? The idea that in fairy tales, right, you make a deal, and then your offspring end up taking the consequences. But very, this is actually the only time that I can think that we follow the perspective of the of the offspring, right? And I think that was such an interesting interesting angle to to like take the story. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like initially introduced to us, right? It was built up, built up into it slowly and like methodically and like to the point that we didn't initially think about it. But as the author kept like giving us hints about it, it really fell into place and like the payoff was phenomenal. Yeah. God, I I, I really love that about the story, bro. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think uh, I think that aspect of the the story and the show in general was like really unique and um, more so unique, more than unique. I mean, it was just really well written, honestly. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's really unique per se. It's just really, really well written. I think this is a good time that we can talk about payoffs. Yes. Or because like there's a lot of times within the story, and I like give me a sec. I like wrote a whole section on this. Uh, so I also didn't mention who my favorite character was, but you know I'll I'll save that for last because right now it's all about Boji. Boji. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's see. We're like we're moving a bit into like payoffs and how this author writes them, right? And you know, the payoff situation, it was very, the entire series is very, very for me, I just, I had, I had a difficult time not comparing it to One Piece. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you have that same, same situation going for you? Uh, no, actually, that's, that's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that. I was not really thinking of One Piece all that much when I was watching the show. Um, I kind of viewed it as like a standalone thing. There was something I was comparing it to, and I just don't remember what it was, unfortunately, but... Maybe it'll come to me later, and either in the day or the week. But uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't really necessarily compared to One Piece. I, I find that comparison fairly interesting. You should elaborate on that. I think the comparison for that one it really comes for the fact that I feel that, in my opinion, One Piece is a very well done fantasy story. That it makes you feel that that the universe of One Piece like exists. That you can like, as you're watching the series or reading the series, you can almost like smell the air and how it smells differently. In the case for Boji, I feel the exact same feeling, but also I can't help but compare the way that, you know, Oda and the author of um, Rankin of Kings, uh, I'm sorry, I, I just do not remember your name, but you're amazing, <laughs> um, that the way that they decide to do, um, I think, foreshadowing a bit of that, or like how they do payoffs, right, is very different. And I think it's the way, it, you know, there's a couple of angles to this, right? One, the way that Oda decides to do is very complementary to the publishing system that he's a part of, right? With Shonen Jump needing to publish every week, right? So the way that Oda does it is that sometimes he mentions something like several chapters before, but he doesn't bring it up until like several chapters down the line or whatever might be the case. But for Boji, right? Or like, you know, uh, Ranking of Kings, um, things that are like brought up that you can have the community, you know, think about and like theorize. For example, remember when um, Boss, right? Asked the mirror who's the strongest person in the land? Or whatever, mm-hmm. and then pretty much like you see right at the end of the of the episode, you see both smiling, right, or like yeah. some kind of like surprising. For us, right, we're seeing it and we're thinking because we know what's going on with Boji at the moment, right? Boji's training and stuff like that. We're thinking that it's probably Boji, but we don't know one hundred percent until they confirm it, of course, right? So um, Oda would would have happened there if Oda was writing something like that, right? He wouldn't have told. He wouldn't have. T- like mention it to the audience who it was until like several chapters down the line, which is beneficial for the way that he's writing or like the public company that, that he's a part of, because then it gets the community to come together and, you know, theorize about it, talk about it. And there's a lot of discussion, right? He's 
like given his community kind of ammo so they can work with and then you know they can bring up hype for the story but the way that you know Rankin of Kings approaches it is that they automatically let you know that your first guess was the correct guess right and this is also something that's very shared with Oda too right usually right for Oda's case the first guess that you have as the audience is usually the correct guess right um, but he does like lead into you know deceiving you, right? For example, with the most recent chapters, right? If you can, do you remember when Momonosuke, when he read the journal, he said, oh, "Okay, so I really can't die, right?" And then there was a couple in that chapter they were talking about who Joy Boy might have been, right? So it, it led people, which I don't think that's bad. I don't want to say that's critical that stuff, but I just couldn't help but curtailing elements. Yeah, huh? That's pretty. That's a that's a pretty interesting comparison. I get, one thing I, I I definitely I definitely compare the show to something else right now uh, is the animation. Oh, bro! Uh, the animation is really reminiscent of Western cartoons, like early two thousand Western. Cartoons. Unique style of animation isn't smooth, and what I mean by that is if you look at it, it's very smooth. I mean, like the perfect example is like Demon Slayer or something, right? Where like every like color is so bright, it isn't choppy. It's very like smooth, like detailed, all of that. Ranking of Kings is the complete opposite. It's very sharp, sharp animation in the sense of like, it's very jagged. It's not necessarily like smooth. Like the characters are portrayed like very, they look really different. And like, I actually, I love that old style of cartoon. It, it very much reminds me of like old 2000s cartoon, specifically uh, for those who may or may not have watched the show, Ed, Ed and Eddie, uh, very much reminds me of that kind of animation that I loved as growing up as a kid. So. That was uh that was really cool for me. I love the animation. I think it's really unique, especially in the in the world of anime and like how they cho- how they how they decided to go with that animation for a story that is like pretty violent is pretty impressive to me. So yeah, um, I do gotta mention that of course the animation style and the way that he decided to approach like manga manga it's very reminiscent of like nineteen fifties kind of manga style. And it not- is yeah yeah that's sure. what I'm thinking of yeah 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 like. I mean, like I was reading an interview, and the one that was highly uh, a sor- a story that like highly influenced Kage, which is the best friend of Boji, right? A shadow kind of person, was this one called um, let's see, Gege no 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 zao no nozu, and it's like it's one of the older mangas right out there that exists, and it's definitely it makes sense. It, he's a very like seasoned veteran. He's like forty one years old when he debuted back in twenty seventeen, so he's like mid forties now, which would explain that when he was growing up, that was like, what? Let me think. He's 41, 20, 20, like 1980s, like around there, right? So he was watching that kind of, that kind of like anime that was airing at that time, which isn't any of the anime that me and you are familiar with, right? We're familiar with anime from the 90s, right? Anime from like the 2000s and stuff like that. Not any from like the 70s or 80s, which is, you know, what he is familiar with. And like when he went back to write a story, he remembered when he was a kid and he remembered the stories he really liked. He was like, I want to, I want to draw just like that, right? Which is great. I, I think it's a very touching uh, moment for him. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and it's like, which studio did a great job of complimenting his um his style? I, I that's I loved it. I, I, I generally did, and uh, it's really for me at least, it's really enjoyable. And so like, I know like the animation just might be off putting to some people, but like I would just highly recommend giving it a try, even even through that. Yeah. I also got to admit that if I was younger, the animation would have been an aspect that I, you know, wouldn't have enjoyed, right? I I need to, like, mention this also. Hunter x Hunter, the reason it took me so long to watch it back, like, I think when I was, like, junior year is because at that time, I was still 
hesitant to watch animation or like st- an animation style that looked kind of like not not what I was used to. Which you know, thankfully, since I watched Hunter Hunter, I realized I was being lame, pretentious, that I was really like just <laughs> doing a disservice to myself for that experiencing these stories. So I've mm-hmm. I've laid back on the whole art style, right? If it's if it's different, I like. I'm not. It does, it's not a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. I know, for example, are you familiar with one right in Mob Psycho and like One Punch Man? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, like he's definitely. I mean, like his story is like ins- inspirational, right? Because mm-hmm. he started drawing at a, at a much later age, right? So his style is really rough, but his storytelling and the way that he approaches his characters and the plot, right, it's very unique, right? It's very subversive of the superhero genre, right? And you know, they kind of work what. The work culture, the work culture, uh, with Mob Psycho 100, and like I think Bones in particular, right? If we have to compare these two, Bones did a really great job of of enhancing his Mob Psycho story, because Bones is also different, isn't it? <laughs> Similar to a ranking of kings. Yeah, it is. Man, what a throwback! Holy cow! Yeah, Bones. Yeah, for sure. I, I devoured those comics. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, I finally found. So the word that I was looking for is that the pacing of of Oda, and the pacing of Sosuke Toka, which is the author, right, mm-hmm. are widely different. Right, Oda's pacing is a lot slower in comparison, and that's because the beats are are like the big, you know, the big drops of information are like you know spread throughout many several chapters. Yeah. In comparison, like One Piece, right. Pretty slow, right? I mean, which is, which is good, right? So, you know, things like work as perfect cliffhangers that have us, you know, questioning. I will say, I do love the pacing and ranking of Kings and how succinct it was. Like, for 23 episodes, I was really impressed. It was so good, man. They were able to fit all of that in within 23 episodes. And, like, it would it never diverted from that. Like, yeah, we got flashbacks and stuff that usually draw out a season or whatever it may be, but, like... In 23 episodes, they managed to fit so much content, it was actually ridiculous. And then the way they did it, too, it wasn't, like, dragged on. It was, like, it was... boom, 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 done. Yep, know? yep, it was great, bro. I love that. Uh, I mean, another example, right, is the moment... Remember when Desha um, infiltrated the kingdom, uh, Boshi's kingdom, right? And he's, like, yes. we... And he, he was talking to, like, the sword master, whatever, right? He said, okay... And Desha, who is the king of the underworld, by the way, like, ranked number two... He went there because, you know, they stole some prisoners from his place and he needed to take them back. When the Swordmaster was like, why are you here? You need to go back, please. We don't want to fight you. I have no idea what's going on. Desha responded with, don't worry. We're not here to kill anyone. And then he said, well, I lied, right? There's one exception. Okay. We're going to kill one person. Yeah. And, like, you you knew who that was, right? You, you like, felt it, right? Yeah. But, like, of course, at that moment, it was, like, close to the end of the episode, right? Or that was, like, close to the beginning of like commercial break right at that moment like boji made his entrance with um with someone else right coming straight down so they like made a huge huge like scene right so they didn't let desha finish to say who it was right but you know this is also effective or like it's later revealed he he automatically responds oh i meant i meant miranjo sorry sorry boji just like you know came out of nowhere and like stopped me from talking but that's who i meant i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you who (laughs) i'm not not gonna forget to tell you who it was right Mm -hmm. but um it's it's like that's an example of another time where the pacing is very quick right these cliffhangers are resolved very quickly and like i can keep going right there's many many freaking examples throughout the entire story of ranking of kings that add to the whole boom 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 aspect they were talking about yeah and i love that 
I, I genuinely I think it makes it a lot more enjoyable and a lot more. It's so quick, man. Yeah. It's like quote unquote quick. Yeah, which I like. Like I'm not trying to watch like a million different episodes. So like my patience and I feel like society's patience has gone down quite a bit in the last like year or two years. So like having these twenty three episodes, like really succinct shows really helps and I think Ranking of Kings kind of just hit that on the head. In terms of pacing narrative pacing. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's time for me to mention my fairy fairy character. I love Desha, bro. Desha, really? <laughs> I love Desha. He is my favorite character, man. Interesting. How come? There's something about him that's really cool, and also it's reflective of. I feel that he, as a king, fits the number two ranking of kings, right? Like mm-hmm. the way that he approaches his kingdom in general is really. It's not pretentious it's not like he's like oppressing his people and then that's really reflective of like when boji visits the underworld right it's a very prosperous place right um and then later on we actually learn like the background of like how he became king and i think that in itself is very interesting right the whole notion of the the, the traditional three brother stories right that you see in fairy tales often was weaved into desha's story with despa and then Oaken, like the three brothers right there right but another and this is amazing right because I want to I want to like mention that whenever this whenever this author introduces a character, they're introducing them not as like the way that they decide to introduce characters, right? It's either that they complement the juxtapose like one of the current characters that exists, right? Or and they are effectively vectors to provide lore to the the universe itself, right? And Desha initially, right? We we go to them, right? King number rank number two, right? And he's talking about Boji. Because they hear they heard these stories about how Desha can make anyone stronger. And they go up to him, right? And they're like, make Boji stronger, please, we're begging you. And he's like, No, I don't wanna. There's nothing I can do with this kid. And then they show him like by day, I mean like Kage, which is the best friend of Boji, shows him here, we have a letter of reference, right? And he's like, Alright, get out of here. I don't wanna talk to you people anymore. <laughs> Did you even read this letter? And later on we learned that the the reason why he told them to get out of there is because they weren't looking for him, they were looking for his brother, right? And automatically, like you you learn that the people the person that he went to visit was a king, and then you learn that he has a complex like he has a, a complex, what's it a, a com- yeah it's just a complex right for his younger brother, and you know that's that's cool because it's juxtaposing how Boji and his brother, um, King Daida, um, interact right because currently King Daida and Boji are both uh, not like in in best in best terms right Daida thinks he should be like a really iron fist kind of ruler in comparison Desha is not a king that rules with an iron fist and then Despa is the physically weaker of the two brothers right but he has like wisdom right that exists so the way that the author introduced Desha the kingdom of the underworld and his brother were meant to like parallel the current relationship between Daida and um, Boji right and something else that you need to realize is that Daida does not respect Boji at this moment, right? But Desha has massive respect for his weak, quote-unquote, weaker brother. So, like, you you can see the possibility of, like, this is maybe a future for both um, Boji and his brother, or maybe this is something that is never going to happen because, like, their story is going to be different. Uh, and that was, like, one of the introductions that I found was really cool. Oh. Really? That's a really long explanation. Um, like that's like one of the many things that i think is really interesting from this author right and they also maintain they also give despa and desha their own story like they're 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 characters that exist within this universe dude i love that dude that's one well that is one of the things i want to highlight really quickly the relationships between each character 
is like highlighted. Like it's not glossed over. Like I don't know how much I have to emphasize. Like that part is so cool, and it's not just the protagonist, right? Like you see the relationships with each characters, like with each character, even the quote unquote yeah. villains, and it's so cool. Like I love that, and like. Even the characters that don't don't seem like they matter, they show up for like three episodes. Yo, they get a backstory too, in the sense of like you see how they're related to certain characters, like uh, Desha and Despa's brother, the yep. or Orin. Oaken. 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 Um. Yep. We even get like we even get to see a little bit of his backstory and how his like, how the three brothers are connected. Yo, that's so cool to me. I love that, and like it it gives the characters so much more depth, and like. You actually feel for them then, you know? And, like, they're not just, like, mindless side pieces to the To just progress Boji and Kage, right? They have their own, like, goals, intentions, like, motives, and whatever might be the case. Exactly. They feel like people. They feel like, yeah, they feel like someone who's, like, just walking down the street. And, like, they're well-developed, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Very similar to how Oda develops his side characters. That's another aspect that they both share, right? Um, Of course, the author of Rankin of Kings is a very particular with the amount of characters that they introduce right they're very meticulous with that i mean another another four characters that have their own stories are the uh, four pillars right they were initially really like introduced in the first story um the four pillars being like the four people that are next to the king who are like the last bastion or the last line of defense within the kingdom that boshi lives in and like when the they were first introduced in episode one that was a lot of information right they just told me one, two, three, four. These are four important characters here. Remember them. And I was like, wait, what? But, you know, they were slowly developed throughout the story. To the point where I was thinking, okay, I like this guy. This guy's an asshole to Boji. I don't like him very much. This guy likes Boji and wants to make him king. He's okay. And then later on, as you le- you learn more about the stories, right? For example, Aesop, the guy with the lance, he ends up, quote, unquote, betraying Boji at one point because he's like, he learns that the person, he has, like, higher loyalties to someone else and he, like, Initially, we think, oh, this guy's really cool. He saved Boji from that one time he was getting his ass beat. And then we're thinking, oh, the swordsman, he's kind of cool, but he also doesn't trust Boji 100%, and he should trust him, even though he's his retainer. It's like, all those four characters have their own story, and, like, and like they're all well-developed. Yeah. And I, I love that aspect, dude. I love that aspect of the show. Um, It's really good. It's so good, bro. And I really, I love Desha so much, man. I don't, he's just so cool, bro. He's a level-headed king. And remember when, like, the prisoners, when, like, they came and stole the prisoners from the underworld? Yeah. And he automatically felt it. And he goes to, to check on Oaken to see if he's there, right? Because that's mm-hmm. literally the only one he cares about. <laughs> because if Oaken isn't there, that's, like, a problem for literally everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone, actually, as we see later on. And he goes there and he sees, like, one of his, one of the person who's, like, quote-unquote on guard duty. He's sleeping. And he's, like, open the cell. He's oh, God, I was sleeping. I'm going to get fired or something. And he opens it. Desha walks in there, and he sits on the bed. And then the other guy, right, the, um, the guard is like, apologize. I'm sorry, sir. I, I, I was sleeping. He's like, no, don't worry about it, bro. This is a boring-ass <laughs> job. I don't expect you to be awake all the time. Additionally, right, you couldn't have done anything if you noticed. You would have died. Yeah, he, he, I think he said, like, he, he, he would have killed you immediately. <laughs> Yeah, you would have you would have died. You like either him or like the person that got him out. You would have just not set a chance. So it's not, don't. It's I'm not gonna fucking yeah. I'm not gonna hang you for this for like. Yeah, he he's a really good character. I really liked him. It's not your fault, man. Um, and that's the thing. There was like that in this show. Like obviously there was like quote unquote villains, but like 
no one really felt like a villain because the character was like so flushed out. Like it felt like people just trying to achieve different motives for like And like they were contrary to like for their own thing. Yeah. I mean like that's like the most humane thing you could possibly have. I love that personally because it really felt like you were rooting for like a, like every single character at one point or another. Bro, you you were rooting for the good ending. You you really were. <laughs> That's like there's like a very small amount of stories out there where I'm thinking, please just give me the good ending. Ending. I don't care if like it can be epic. I just want everyone to just come out of this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. And you know the three brother story. This is uh, like I mentioned that the author only introduces mm-hmm. characters with intent, right? Um, Oaken was introduced to add, you know, the um, hidden agenda of Despa, and the you know the reason why Desha Despa right are you know effectively kind of helping Boji because oh that ties back into the demon man oh that was so smart that was so smart that demon that was introduced what in episode two or three yeah yeah I think it was like episode two. Oh, yeah, but it was introduced automatically when the when the king dies, right? Which the king dies really early, which is like a surprise for me. I thought you know Boji's dad was gonna stay alive a bit longer, but after the king dies, this smoky gas comes out of him, and then you're like, "What is this?" And it turns out it's just a like a really mm-hmm. scary looking demon. I I found them really scary. I don't know about you. Yeah, that is freaky as hell. I was really, I was so surprised. He felt out of place, bro. That like came out of nowhere, and he's just there sitting, and he laughs at Boji, and I'm like, "What the hell does that even mean?" Yeah, exactly. Ah, damn. And then the demon story, and the lore for demons within universe is really well done and very smart. Yeah. All demons within this universe, right, in the you know the mythology, are born innocent creatures, right? They're not evil. They're not malicious at first, or whatever, but. As progress, like the one thing demons are known, or the one thing that you know demons in this universe do, is that they fulfill wishes, kind of like deals in a way, like their tradition of Faustian demons, in that there's a contract, you fulfill it, and then the demon gets something, you get something out of it. But effectively, whoever made the deal is kind of screwed <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, yeah, it's just you know, it's just part of human nature, right? And the more that a demon does that, the more hideous they become. And I thought that was just a very touching kind of consequent moment. And it's in the nature of a demon to almost fulfill promises, even unintentionally or not, if they help someone. This whole plot, right? Because remember when he was younger, he was like, please. He was like crying, like, please don't let me be like this. Um, but they kept asking and asking and asking as human nature wants. I mean, like, oh, God, this can go down a whole rabbit hole, which I don't want to go down too but it's it's like it's dark bro it's dark it really does touch on like human nature right in the sense of like humans are innately selfish and what we want is what we want and if we have a way to get what we want easily yeah. we don't we take it and it really touches on that aspect i mean you know it also like to a greater degree also touches on religion and like i can really get down that path but that's another that's a whole nother it did touch a religion, right? The gods. There's gods in this universe which came out of almost nowhere, but they fit so well, bro. They fit so well. Yeah, the, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah they were important, important to the plot. Okay, yeah, because something that was off, like, you know, not touched since it was initially introduced in episode two 
ranking of kings. It's in the name. There's a it's a ranking of king system, and we don't go back to it until episode twenty three or twenty two. But there was moments within the story, right, that we get introduced, like how the ranking of king's king system system might have been created, right? For example, something that's mentioned within episode two is that whoever becomes numero uno, the first, the number one ranked king, and like with the best kingdom or whatever, gets to go to see the gods, right? And gets to go see their chambers. And they get to pick one item from them to take back with them as their quote-unquote reward, right? And it's that moment that we learn that for some reason, everyone who becomes ranked number one picks the same thing. And unfortunately, what happens at that time is that they become mm-hmm. insane. Which was... You know, it was just it was mentioned, so I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the the way the exposition was done, right? Because it was just said to us. But what made it really cool was that in the next following episode, Boji meets rank king number one, but he's insane and he's in the forest now. Yeah. Yeah, and like of course it's not explicitly told that this is rank number one, but we kind of just put it together. Because the way that this author decides to write his stories is that if something, you know, a, a dangling kind of carrot is in front of you, he automatically resolves it, right? But he does it in a way that it it does answer the initial question, but it it leaves more questions mm-hmm. to be asked, right? Because now you're wondering, okay, so we found who the number one ranked king was or is, whatever, right? We see that they're insane, but at the same time, we see that they're very wise. Yeah. There's something about them that I can still see the reason why this, this person would have become ranked number one it's still effectively there, right? Like a bit of the character, but we can also see the insanity that happened to them. But at the same time, we don't see the item or like whatever made them insane. Yeah, there's so many layers to this. So there's like so many questions. And like, yeah, so good, bro. So good. That that was like terrifying. There's like moments in the story that just leaves me terrifying. For example, the last like conversation that Boji had with with the Mad King Right, we learn that he's obsessed with hunting mm-hmm. and whatnot, but he doesn't differentiate between yeah. humans and like animals. To him, they're the same, and effectively, he's right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. we are the same, right? Yeah. So like, and it's at that moment that like it was suggested that he's gonna kill Boji and hunt him, and that's like when Boji bailed, and like we don't see that guy forever for the rest of the story. Except we kind of do hear about him later, right? Do you remember Kingbo, one of the prisoners who was released with Oaken? Yeah, that guy's the son of that of that king. Yeah, and like it was so cool that that was that was that was like brought tied back together. Yeah, God, yeah. I love it. And that's like one of the many times that it happens, right? One of the many times where something terrifying happens that you didn't expect it. The next time was it was when Miranjo, which is effectively the antagonist, like the number one villain, um, gets eaten by the demon. Yeah, that was. <laughs> And like she's in that was a lot. Oh my god, that was fuck that was yeah that was scary, bro. Then you see him just devouring and throwing up souls and <laughs> just doing it one again. Of the, one of the interesting things I think about this show is that like it has a very specific like the way it's animated is like it seems like it's lighthearted, but it's not. But then you have these really dark moments just it don't come out of nowhere per se, but they're really out there and you're like, whoa. This is a lot. Yeah, and it was just emphasized by the comment that the innocent um, representation of the demon yeah. had when he, when he spoke to Miranda. It was like, welcome to a world of never-ending um, suffering or something like that. Yeah, 
That's so crazy. It's so crazy, man. It's so, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And it's like terrifying because effectively a child is saying that. Which is kind of nuts if you think about it. It's like, damn. It's nuts. It's like, damn, Iranjo, I'm sorry, but this is this is your life now. That, yeah. Um, that sucks. Yikes. Well, I think that might have been like a lot of this stuff I wanted to touch up yeah, on. we touched on a lot. I mean, there's like, there's a lot more that we can like continue to go in. We haven't even spoken about the ranking of king system that was effectively created by the gods themselves to maintain like authority, but like not at the front end, which is, I, I believe that's what you were alluding to mm-hmm. with the whole religion aspect, right? That they own, it's implied that the gods, right? They had an era and that that era was driven by people having faith in them, which effectively right. gave them strength and power, which makes sense, right? At a, at a kind of like a thematic level. But it's also, you know, implied that as, you know, humans became more enlightened, they began to, like, you know, pray less often, which led to, you know, some gods effectively mm-hmm. going extinct or dying because, you know, people aren't praying to them anymore. So the gods got around this by effectively admitting, okay, you don't have to worship us like you were before. Now we make a ranking of king system, right? And we systematically yeah. oppress you. It's, it's kind of screwed up. That, <laughs> it's like, okay. There's so much to go in there. And I, I, I don't want to for obvious reasons, but... um it's really fascinating. So, yeah, I don't know. I want to. I want to talk about it, but I also don't. It's. I mean, like whoever watches this series can have a. It's. It's just fun. It's just. Just thinking about it by yourself is also just fun. So whoever watches it and just like sits down and is like, yeah, what, literally, what did this guy just. Say? This is, yeah, it's just it, like the moment, because we get this comment from one of the gods, right, in a flashback, which makes me think, wait, how how do we know? How, how do we know what this god's saying when it's on flashback? Well, whatever, right? I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. But the god says something that's really smart, but like also really mischievous. And you know, it's it has to do with the that they need a new system to rule. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's pretty big and pretty important. Pretty big, pretty important, pretty dark too. It's pretty freaking dark. Yeah, we haven't even touched on that. Um. Another aspect that's like Oaken, so the three brothers, right? Um, Desha, Despot, and Oaken. Um, I I really like their lore. It's really myth. Something about it feels really uh, mm-hmm. mythological. That you know they're cho- like half sibling or half um half mm-hmm. gods, demigods, right? From their parent, who was one of the gods who was ruling the underworld, and you know as the, as the gods began to die out, right, because people lost faith on them, he got obsessed with immortality, right? And he effectively, you know, and this goes into talking, into, you know, they'll be more into the lore. But I usually don't like exposition or internal monologues, but for some reason, I really like monologues or, like, exposition when it deals with some kind of lore mm-hmm. situation for some reason. Um, I mean, you might have separate opinions, but I, I for some reason, the moment that they start talking about you know their dad and the history between the brothers i liked it yeah yeah i i liked it but i you i mean i've got a record saying oh i hate i hate monologues right but for some reason i like exposition yeah. it's so dumb it's like what isn't that the same thing it's like yeah kind of but something about the myth the like greater than life kind of deity stuff makes it feel that the mm-hmm. exposition is fitting I just can't explain, though. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's for sure. I have nothing to add to that, by the way. I I like uh, it. So. 
That's about it. I mean, there's a lot more that we can always go into. I have an entire list. I wrote a bunch of stuff, but like I didn't even touch up on it. I vaguely touched up on it, right? Because it's yeah. just me writing down my thoughts. But it's still, I feel that for an episode, we're done. Yeah, I there's a lot. Again, you can really delve into the show, I think, in terms of like, there's a lot of different aspects you can tackle. But I, I think just providing a high level overview of like what the show, what we, our thoughts are, is a little better. And like, we cannot. I I think I speak for Francis when I say this too. Like we can't recommend the show enough. It's really good. Definitely watch it. Yeah, it's like yeah, easy it's, top it's twenty. Fantastic. I like it a lot. Like anyone that ever says, yeah, for sure. We haven't even touched up on Kagi, his best friend, and like I mean, I'm sure you're kind of familiar. But season one was a story about Boji, but both of them are cursed. They're both cursed. That yeah. we learn, right? See, that's that's the that's the thing with the show. Like every you can touch up on every character because every character has a backstory. And so, like every 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 character yep. contributes to the Me. narrative in some way, shape, or form. So, like, it's yeah. really I, like I, flexible and malleable in that regard, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. But I mention that only because at the end of the um series, right, Boji becomes. Am I? This is like a name that I'm giving him myself, right? The Wandering King. <laughs> Wandering King. I like that. I like that, because he's going on an adventure right, with Kage's best friend, and I think season two is going to be about learning Kage's story. Right and what happened to his people? Yeah, I I'm kind of curious to see what that what comes out of that. Yeah, because it's got to be it. That's like the that's like the logical yeah, I mean, direction, is. right? We'll we'll just see kind of where that goes. Yeah, like he left the kingdom to his brother, right, King Daida, and now Boji's gonna go out there become the Wander King. <laughs> it's just it's just I I love I love it I love it because it. Because it fits Boji a lot. Cause now he's going out there and helping people as he goes mm-hmm. along, right? Really fitting, fitting of, like, effectively, he's going to become the number one ranking, like, in the system. Like, everyone's going to respect yeah. him in the end. And it's going to, it's just, just really powerful. Oh, man. <sighs> I'm a big fan of this yeah, story. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really good story. Really good narrative. Definitely. Probably the best. Freaking! I think it might be uh, easily on the running for the best anime of last is last year, or this year, this year, right? This year, because it ended in March. Uh, this year. Oh yeah, it's this year. Yeah, yeah. Wait, it aired on October fifteenth. Did it have like a kind of a break in the middle? Or was that fall? Whatever, we'll find out. Anyway, I, I do think this is a definite watch for anyone. Let me just let me just go on my anime list, add it to my list, give it a nine. <laughs> give it a quick nine. I'm very I'm very um lenient on my ranking system. I know some people are really like up and up and up it about it. Like they're like very meticulous and like, oh you gotta make sure you make everything's like pretty Look, I'm generous, man. <laughs> if I like it a lot, yeah, I like it a I mean, lot. That's fair. That's reasonable. So I think I think this is a good time to mention. Have you been seeing the my anime list, like top anime? About this, uh, I think last Thursday I have. It's been kind of like skewed towards newer stuff, which is which <sighs> makes sense, right? I think more and more people are getting into anime, so this the list is going to be inherently more skewed towards like more popular shows or shows that are currently like 
trending. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't care as much about MAO anymore. Uh, I like what I like, uh, and I don't like what I don't like, and that is what it is. Uh, I have some very polarizing opinions, as you as you very well know. So, like, I stand by what I what I say. <laughs> when it comes to, like, MAO okay, so like, kind of stuff. Yeah. I think um the list itself isn't normalized, right? So there's issues with that. They don't respect that. The algorithm is just like people just vote on it. And effectively it's just a way for fans to just right, exactly. bomb other yeah. shows sometimes. And it's just not No, it's, it's not helpful because for me the purpose of like my top anime series, right? It's like the top one hundred is pretty much shows that effectively the community has agreed that these are have withstood the test of time, right? And that they're good shows. You should watch them and yeah. you would most likely enjoy them if you, you know, enjoy the synopsis. But the way the current system is, it's just not good. And I mean, Gintama, why the why is there like six entries for one one IP? Yeah. It should just like like get out of here, Gintama. You shouldn't have five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven. Like, just become yeah. one entry. <laughs> You're just taking up oh space. I, I get it. You're good. Whatever. But it's also the aspect of just fans bombing other shows. Yeah, that, that part is just not great. I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty toxic. <laughs> Hunter Hunter's still up here. That's good. Look at you. Uh Fruit Basket the final. That was it's so mean so what they did to you. It's so good. Oh yeah. I love that show. But that's yeah, besides so the point. I guess that's Yep. That is besides the point. Nonetheless, the top like one hundred or one fifty series on here yeah. are which is all pretty good. Like I don't I don't have a general like negative feeling towards these. Monster has gone down to number twenty seven. Yeah. Gotta watch that. <laughs> Alright, well, I think that's it for the episode. Uh, do you have any final remarks? Maybe anything you're watching, or should uh, we just I cut it off here? Going, so we can cut it off. Um, I'm literally not watching anything either other than Spy Family and Kaguya, so... <laughs> um, oh! In terms of stuff we are watching, I am currently watching a show called Barry. Now, I don't know how many people know this show. I love this show. I actually was, I watched, I used, I watched all of it when it first came out. Like when it first came out back in 2018. I'm really glad season three is out. I love this show. It is not an anime, but I'd highly recommend it for those who are interested. Um, I cannot explain this show, so just watch the trailer. It's really good. It's really good. It's good. It's good. My sister loves it. The synopsis and just yeah yeah positive positive, but yeah that's it. Um, the other series that I'm watching is Ya Boy Kongming, which by the way is hilarious and I love it. Oh yes, I'll be watching that soon myself. Yeah, I consider that it's my vote for anime of the season, but you know, Spy it's Family is just show. too strong. I love that show. It's so cute. <laughs> it's cute, but um, I read a bit of it. I dropped it after they got a dog. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's they got a dog. It is it is massive spoiler. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All, All right. right. Bye everyone. Take care everyone.